Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So as disciples of Jesus, we are invited to get so close to Jesus that we actually share in his eyes, his heart, his mind, his very body, that we would actually be him for the world. And so when we hear scripture passages, we want to take some time and savor what is moving in him so that we can recognize when the Holy Spirit moves similarly in us and we can become better disciples, more fruitful, more joyful, sharing in the Father's love and the power of the Holy Spirit, just like him. So today's gospel, on a surface level, we hear Jesus healed people, 10 of them, one came back and thanked him, we should be more grateful. Got it. Well, if that's really a, a very watered down, I mean, why would we have this story for 2,000 years if the simple message was, be grateful? I mean, we get that in Hallmark cards and Dr. Phil. We don't need the God becoming human, dying on a cross and rising, sacraments, scripture, saints, etc., to tell us be more grateful. There's got to be something more happening here. And if you were a first century Jewish man or woman, you'd hear it. But because we're 21st century in Brecksville, we're missing some of it. So I'm going to try it in just a little bit of time to unpack a few things that may help us receive the good news of the scriptures and then receive that same God-made man, Jesus, in the Eucharist so that he can live in us and we can live in him. So it says he was traveling through Samaria. Samaria was an odd place. Because these are people, men and women, who were Jewish, yes, but kind of. What had happened was they were occupied by a foreign territory for a while. And there, after several generations, there became some mixed races, we could say. They weren't pure Israelites, like in Jerusalem. There was a little mixture so, were they Jewish? Yes. They believed in what we call the Old Testament. They worshipped at a different temple. They had some different kosher laws. So they were, yes, they were Jewish, but there was always kind of this second-class citizen notion to the Samaritans that a pure Israelite would have said, I mean, yeah, but not really one of us. So, already they're feeling like outsiders, second-rate simply based on how they were born. I'm sure no one here has ever felt second-rate in their life, but you could imagine, okay? Then on top of it, there's 10 of them who have leprosy. Leprosy had been going on throughout the Old Testament and here in the New Testament now, and lepers were seen not just like we see men and women now in hospitals, oh, you're sick, there was a whole sociological societal response, namely, get away. <laughs> get outside of the town. Be on the outskirts. Don't occupy homes. If you're part of the family, you got to get out of the family because we might catch it and we don't want to be associated. So they were 
rejected and abandoned by home. They couldn't go into the main gathering of the people, which was known as temple worship. They couldn't come into a gathering of faith and worship, so they were kicked out of that and rejected and abandoned. And now they're on the outskirts of town. So here are these, it says, ten lepers. Right? Samaritans, so that they're already born as feeling second class, never being able to participate in the fullness of the dignity of God's people. They've contracted a disease, so they already feel embarrassed and ashamed. And now they've been rejected and abandoned outside the temple, outside of families, and they're on the outskirts of town. So they have 10 of them in a little leper colony outside of one of the villages. And Jesus is walking, just like so many people went in and out of the village, and they cry out to him from a distance, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Built into this cry was two essential truths. I need help, and I can't do it on my own. I need help to experience the fullness of life that I want, that I need, and I can't give that to myself. I need a Jesus Christ. And so they cry out to him with hope, with desire, with need, And he says to them, go show yourselves to the priests, and they were healed. Now, the reason he said, go show yourself to the priest, was that was the recipe, if you will, in the Old Testament. That once the priest verified you were okay, you could come back to temple worship. So you were first reconciled to God. Then being reconciled to God and the believing community, you could then be reconciled to family, to neighbors, to the wider society. The biblical logic was always be reconciled to God first, then you can be reconciled in your homes and family, and then in the wider community. But what's amazing is what Jesus does is he sees these men with leprosy and he's moved with compassion. He doesn't see lepers first and write them off. He sees human beings suffer from leprosy and he's drawn towards them. This is the vision of Jesus. He sees every man and woman as an unrepeatable image of God. Wanted as a loving child by the Father. Someone he's about to die for so that they could have hope and healing And his very word restores them, gives them life back. And I don't know about you, but as I was praying with this, I was just recognizing how often I see people through a label before I see a person. I see someone through a label before I see the person. And that's what breaks me from Jesus at times. He doesn't see a Democrat and a Republican. He sees a unique image of God, a son or daughter of the Father, someone that he's going to die for out of great love to bring them close to God and be fully alive. He realizes a heart beats in them that's meant for the very tender love of the Father. He doesn't see a homeless guy on the street or a homeless woman on the street says, oh man, too bad for them. 
or, you know, they might have done it to themselves. They might be an addict. If they just worked harder, why don't they just go down the street to that shelter? They'd be fine. Why are they bothering me for money? They're probably going to take my money and spend it on drugs. He sees a person with a name who's suffering from poverty. So what I want to share with you is I'm hesitant to because it might be convoluted and it may make this homily just fail totally, okay? So if that's the case, that happens, okay? But I think it drives home the point that I'm trying to make. So if it works, thanks be to God. If it doesn't, well, I'll see you next week, okay? Pope John Paul II, he was a playwright. So he has a doctorate in philosophy, a doctorate in theology. He was a mystic. He was an athlete. He was a playwright. But in one of his plays, he has a main character named Adam. Adam is meant to represent men and women who are seeking for how to live. What is the right way to be human? What will give me meaning and joy? And Adam's companion has the name intelligence. Intelligence is kind of the philosophical type, always interested in big ideas. And they're walking down the streets of a city. And they're talking about this thing called poverty. And Adam's asking questions and intelligence is waxing eloquently. Well, you know, the main cause of poverty is class warfare and these social injustices. And he's going on and on about all the causes and problems that lead to poverty. And in this play, Adam looks and sees under a streetlight a homeless man. And he says to intelligence, well, how do you help that guy? And intelligence says, I don't even see anyone there. What are you talking about? And the narrator writes, and how true that is. Oftentimes, ideologies and intelligence and all the high affluent talk about poverty, class warfare, what ought to be done on political and social levels is just that. It's just thoughts. It's invisible to a person right in front of us with needs. And the play goes on and Adam says, I realized that day love sees more than intelligence. Because love sees a person. This is from Pope Francis in this little book he wrote on everyday holiness. He says, If I encounter a person sleeping outdoors, I can view him or her as an annoyance, a lazy person, an obstacle, an annoying and disgusting sight, a problem for politicians to sort out, or even a piece of clutter getting in the way of what could have been a beautiful city otherwise. He says, that's one way we can view people like that. He says, or I can respond with faith and charity and see in this person a human being with dignity identical to my own, a creature infinitely loved by the Father as an image of God, a brother or sister redeemed by Jesus. That is what it means to be a Christian. And he goes on to say, of course it is important to overcome structures that create these things, but first and foremost, the call of a Christian is to see what Jesus sees, namely a person that's just like me, with image, made in the image of God with dignity. 
And this is what we do at Mass. We don't ignore the needs of the world. We come here to be renewed with the biblical vision so that the light of the Scriptures can bathe us in His warmth. And then we're filled with His very body, blood, soul, and divinity in the miracle of the Eucharist. So we go forth not as Americans first and foremost, but first and foremost as disciples of this kind of love, this kind of vision. Empowered by God, consoled by Him, and filled with the warmth of His love, we're now able to give what people really need. Love. I don't know what the answer is every time I see a homeless person on East 9th Street or in downtown Cleveland. I don't think the answer is always give them money. I don't think the answer is never give them money. So I don't know what the answer is, but I know the answer will always be to look them in the eyes, ask them their name, introduce myself to them, and promise them prayer. If it feels safe and right to shake their hand and treat them like any other human being I would meet. That begins to make the world have a much more human touch and Christian touch. That begins to heal the world. And so on this Sunday where Jesus restored lepers back into relationship with God, family, and the wider society, we as him in the world are asked to be participating in the same restoring power. Who in your family? Who in our workplaces? Who do we see on a daily basis that needs to be restored in being seen, known, and loved? Who needs to encounter the gospel through me and through you? Amen.